Good evening. It is Sunday night. It is Raices here on KZSM.org, KZSM LPFM 104.1. And uh, hey, welcome back. Happy New Year. And uh, Kathy Laura is here in the studio with us. And Kathy, who is our guest that is coming back tonight? Well, we have a, a returning guest. Uh, David Montelongo is here with us this evening. And um, we have a uh, quite a lot to talk about and I know you're you're under the weather and I'm still re- recuperating from what I had in December and um, normally at the beginning of the show we like to do the genealogy portion of it but Mr. Montelongo hasn't been here previously and so we've gotten that information and we have a lot of stuff that we want to talk about so I think we're just going to go straight into the conversation for this evening and so I want to welcome Mr. Montelongo Thank you, back Kathy. To the I'm show. Glad, glad to be back. And he also brought along his lovely wife, so we want to say hello to Mrs. Montelongo now that we have her here. <laughs> so I, I want to go ahead and just let's just get down to the nitty-gritty, and let's go ahead and talk about, um, give us a recap about how you got into the music industry uh, and um, how you started playing as a musician. Well, first of all, I come from a musical family. My grandfather was a musician. My uncle was a musician also. And then from the family, the majority of them played. But some of them just played for fun on that. My grandfather, at that time, they would go to the ranches and play. And he played uh, violin, guitar, and some other instruments also. And he inspired the family to learn it because at that time, it was very, very few people that actually played instruments or played. And he was born in uh, Mexico outside of uh, San Luis Potosí, a little uh, town it's called Potillo. Through the years, I found out that there were two families in that little colony, the ones that belonged to the revolution and the ones that were musicians <laughs> on that part. So my grandfather migrated to Texas in 1908. And all this time, I thought that he had come to the United States illegally. But no, he passed, had his papers settled in Nittywall. And he was there, raised uh, six from the first wife. Unfortunately, she was killed by the train. Mm -hmm. So then he remarried again and moved to South Texas. And there's where he stayed because of the agriculture up there. And back then, most of the families were field, field families. And the more family you had, the more income you would make yeah. in all that part. But he also instilled education, instilled that make something out of yourself. 
So from the two families, the majority of them did make something out of themselves. And uh, it was only myself, my cousin, my uh, oldest uncle from the second family that actually pursued professionally the music industry. The rest of them, they liked it, they played, but they played for fun. They would get together and just, and they still do it in, on that part. So that's how we, we started. Uh, I was inspired by my uncle, my dad. My dad started learning the drums, but he said he didn't like it, so he just, you know. My uncle, my oldest uncle from the first family, he said, your dad and I were the roadies <laughs> at that time. <laughs> so one of them would drive and the other one would, would just take care of the instruments on that part. But it was funny because he incorporated how we do things now compared to back then you know, on that part. How do you mean? How would how would he incorporate the, the how is it different now you know or, or is, is it similar he was doing something well so. back then it was um, very hard to go from most of it was at ranches that they played and a lot of them uh, after being out in the field and mm -hmm. they would get together and actually just serenade one another right. and on weekends they would go to different places on that. Um, they were limited on, on transportation. You were limited on uh, instruments. You were limited on a lot of things that now, even when we start, when I started playing, uh, we didn't know anything, you know, we just started playing. <laughs> and we played because we liked it, and we could make a couple of dollars on it. And everybody has tried to get to the top, you know. And that was the ultimate goal, make the money and get to the top. Well, some of them never did on that part. But it was fun, it was enjoyable. You get to meet a lot of, a lot of people, get to travel, at somebody else's expense, you know. <laughs> so the the performances that you would have on the ranches were normally during the weekend, so it would start maybe Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then how would you incorporate that? Uh, you, you'd show up to a ranch. Was there like a booking uh, that would take place, or they would just say come and you would show up and play? Or I guess the way they did that back then was that they would, they would have friends, and they would actually just go out and... And I... I personally got to play at houses back when we when I started. A lot of the musical groups that I there wasn't that much venues to play with, so I got to play in a couple of houses, and it was interesting. <laughs> they would take all the furniture out and make one of the rooms the dance hall. And, oh, okay. and so your uncle, uh, you mentioned him. What was his name? Uh, my uncle's name was Vicente. And he lived in Austin, and uh, he was born in Nidwall on that part. And then his son, who became very famous, Roy, he was born close to Palmall Dam. 
Yeah, I, I remember that name from when I was much younger. I guess maybe like in the 1970s, so that would have put me maybe like at about eight or nine. And I would listen to my my mom's uh, brother. He had you know his record player, and he would spin a lot of these uh, albums that he had. And I remember uh, Roy. Roy. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he started real young at a very young age. Just uh, as far as uh, he had the opportunity to join a band that. They did a lot of nightclub uh, dance uh, dance music, and and the owner of it, they they traveled the whole United States. They would put boot the band for three or four months at a time, come back and rest, and then go back out again. And they did that. He did that for about a year and a half or two, and then the gentleman got sick, and then he joined another group in Corpus. And uh, then he decided that he had had enough, so he came back to Austin on that. Did you want to go to him? And, and was that the gentleman, was that your uncle? or That your, was my cousin. Your cousin. Yes. So did your um, uncle ever get to travel with his son to any of the music venues that they did? No, it's funny because uh, one of my, the uncle that uh, actually played professional, one day he asked me, he said, David, did you know that uh, Roy didn't want to play with his dad? I said, no, I don't know that. I didn't know that. He said, yeah, because he felt that his dad was old, old-timers, mm. and he was up to, up, to, uh, up to the times. And it probably it was, because my uncle really didn't play. And I got to play with him in certain areas. He would take me with me. Like I would go to, on summer, uh, during the summer, I would go, and he would give me lessons on, on the instrument. And then at times he would take me with him to play at, at bars or wherever he was going to. That. And we've been really fortunate because you brought a, a CD for us to, to play and some music that we're going to listen to. So, Rob, you want to go ahead and play the, the first song that we have here?
que voy a hacer si me niegas alma mía Everybody, this is Justin James Bridges, and you're listening to KZSM.org. You can tune in every Sunday at 11 p.m. Central Standard Time here in San Marvelous to catch me and all my wild friends here on Sundays Free with JJB on KZSM.org. Si tiene ganas de escuchar música en español, júntense conmigo cada domingo a las 8 de la noche por Música con Ganas aquí con el tío en su radio comunidad. Compartiré con ustedes poesías, música de mi juventud, música contemporánea y ojalá música que le dé cálidos memorias. Cada domingo a las 8 de la noche, aquí en su verdadero Radio Comunidad KZSM. And we're back with you here in the studio. And as a reminder, you are listening to Raices here on Sunday night on KZSM.org, KZSM, LPFM 104.1. And the views expressed on this show are those of the hosts and the guests and not necessarily those of KZSM or SMTX CRA. Kathy, back to you. Now, the music that we just played came off of the CD that you brought brought us, and the first song was called Yo, and the second one was called Tres Dias. Right. Can you tell us um, about the time frame that, the, that these recordings were done? These were between six, well, I think they were in 66, because uh, started the band around 65, middle of 65. Without any, really, I, I I don't even know why I started to go <laughs> to begin with, <laughs> but I did. But it was enjoyable. Uh, local local group, uh, the musicians that were from here, and as we got a little bit more, then they quit. So then we got some other groups. But the sound you hear right now is from the '60s, and we were limited on sound system, and. Horn section was very popular at that time. And it, it, every group had saxophone, trumpets. Very few had some trombones. Uh, accordion was 
primarily what they call conjunto norteño. And that was the sound of, uh, like I said, the 60s, part of the 70s on that part. And as time went, uh, in 1980, I think, is economically, the bands that had gone, had a lot of musicians in their, in their groups. Uh, some of them had 10, 12. So as far as to cut cost, the synthesizer was introduced. So synthesizer, keyboard, you could do a lot of different sounds, even in, incorporate the horn sections into it. And this is how, like, Maas incorporated theirs. And through that, other groups started doing the same thing. So the horn section started sort of like fading away, and then the accordion came into into play, and now it's phenomenal what they do with the accordion in any Tejano group there is. So things have changed a lot, and I was able to to see that when I quit playing in 74 on that. So then a uh, compadre of mine is uh, stealing me to go into the promotional business, <clears throat> and I didn't know one lick of what promotion was. So we started the first three uh, concerts we did, we failed, we lost money, and he said, I'm out, can't, can't handle it. So my wife said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. So finally I just said, you know what, I'm going to try and see what. So it was unenjoyable. Um, got to see a lot of different groups, big time groups, and I learned a lot from that part that it is a business. And the way you look at it and the way you handle it has a lot to do with how you're going to profit or not. And at that point, one of the guys, very early in Sunny, from the Sunday and Sunliners, gave me some piece of advice. He said, David, for everything that you do, have an expense report. That way you have it for the bands and for yourself, and you'll, you'll get a lot of respect from that. And at the same time, you'll justify what you're doing. And it did, it did help me a lot on that part. Now, you talked about at the break, you were talking about the bands got started, and then you got your draft notice, right? And so you, your career got stopped real short, right? Well, as far as the music industry playing, I started playing when I was about 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. And the last year that I was, uh, my cousin and I were together, and we were on the road every week. And it was kind of like when he said he's, that he was tired, that he wanted to rest, I said, boy, good. <laughs> so my wife had been waiting for me all these years. So I said, it's time for, and I gave her four months to prepare to get married. And she looked at me like, are you kidding? 
Go ahead. So I, I, you, I was very fortunate in, in the fact that you sent me two photos that I posted on our Raisa's page. And I had a question that I wanted to ask you about um, your time with Shorty and the Corvettes and then also with Ben Garza about the music changing. Did it change from, from Shorty to Ben and then to the type of music that, that you were playing or... A little bit because with uh, Ben Garza, it was a, a conjunto. And uh, I just had an opportunity to join them because my cousin had been with them off and on. And then that's when he started his group. And he told me that, that he had put a good work in for me. So I was about 18 or 19 when I, I think it was about 19 years old, when I started with them. And predominantly we played just in Austin. We'd go out on Saturdays, Fridays and Sundays. We were a house band at a club named uh, Dessa Hall. It was out in the outskirts of Austin. And we would incorporate the accordion and the saxophone on that. So that was a different style of uh, music. Shorty had more of a, a two-horn section, two saxophones, and then the rhythm section and the keyboard. That he had. by then the keyboard was already more or less, and it was a big. It was what they call a Hammond organ, and the boy it was it was heavy. And then they had the the speaker. It was even heavier than. <laughs> so that was another change that happened at that point. And Shorty traveled a lot, and I I was working at H E B at that time, so I said. I, I I would love to do it, but I wasn't ready to leave the job and go full time. And so basically, you you've kind of seen the music industry change from going to playing in these homes to going out and playing in venues, and even having the music change from just the violins and the the strings to adding the horn sections. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And the difference between them and when I did my, my group was I had two saxophones and a trumpet on that. And then the key, I mean, the uh, rhythm section. And uh, we've got uh, two more songs that we're going to play off of the um, CD that he brought us. Que te ruego 
Read any good books lately? Read any bad books lately? Any books you'll never forget? Any books you want to fling directly into the trash? Whatever you've been reading, or not reading, join us Tuesdays 4 to 6 for Bookmarked, all about books and reading in San Marcos and the world. On the radio, this is the Sweet Honey Bear Blues on Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Till 10 o'clock, you got me giving you what you just didn't know you needed. The sun's shining, birds are singing, and all feels right in the world. Until the season changes, and suddenly everything seems darker, less lively, and you lose your motivation to get out of bed. If you struggle with depression, you're not alone. In fact, one in five people experience some form of depression, and no matter the time of year, it may affect your behavioral or physical ability to live a happy life. At the American Psychiatric Association Foundation, we understand what you're going through, and we're here to help. Our vision is to build a mentally healthy nation for all, because we want you to live your best life and be your best you all year round. We work every day to eliminate stigma, combat mental illness and substance use disorders, and advance mental wellness. If you or someone you love needs help, you are not alone. Please visit mentallyhealthynation.org to learn more. And we're back live with you in the studio, KCSM, KCSM, LPFM 104.1, San Marcos, Texas. And uh, appreciate folks uh, listening in out there. Don't worry, Gene. It is, it's allergies. It is cedar fever. It is uh, that bane that we have here living in the hill country. It's such a beautiful spot, but uh, it, we leave and we come back and the cedar trees remind us that they are part of our landscape. So Kathy, back to you. And so we were just listening to the third track and it's called El Albor de Tu Vida. And the fourth one was Tienes Que Pagar. Um, the, the songs that we're listening to did you write some of these, or are these some songs that were already previously written? 
No, they were already previously written. Uh, the play, guy, the gentleman that plays the trumpet, he hadn't heard them at all, and I hadn't really. There was, was only two songs that I could remember, which was uh, the um, La Despedida, and then the uh, Tres Dias, and those are the only two that I remember. So when he heard them, he said, David, who made the arrangements? I said, you did, and the sax other saxophone player. Really? I said, yeah. He said, man, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> and then you were telling me that um, on some of these songs that on the vocals was Jerry Flores? Yes, Jerry was one of the, uh, he was the second one to come into the group. Uh, the first one was uh, Jose Garcia from Mondale. And then he had to quit because of his wife that had become sick. And then Jerry joined the group on that. So right around that time is when I got the notice to uh, draft it into the, into the service. So my time with the band was very limited, maybe about a year, year and a half. When Uncle Sam comes calling, you gotta yeah. you gotta call. You gotta go. <laughs> well, it, I tell you what, I, it was an enjoyable. It, I learned a lot. Um, made me appreciate things on that, and uh, it uh, it's a rude awakening. So, when you were away, did you think about coming back? Um, to your hometown and continuing playing in the music business? And when you got back, had, had the music industry changed as far as the music goes? Because I know that back in the, what, the mid-70s or early 70s, we start to get away a lot from the accordion and we start going more to like the, uh, the, the, the Chicano kind of stuff with Little Joe and that, that type of music with the big horn sections. Well, they still had the horn section. When I came back, um, I joined a group from Kyle, Mike Salcedo, and his uh, brothers. I wasn't ready to go back to forming a group. Uh, those two years that I was gone, it was, uh, it took a lot out of me on that. Uh, being over there every day is, a, I looked at it, as another day that makes it shorter for you. And it was uh, very interesting because when I first got there, where I was uh, stationed, I was stationed at a headquarters unit. And the, the soldiers that were in the same barracks that I was said the first month is going to be the longest and the last month is going to be even longer than the, when you first get here. The anticipation of knowing that you're coming home and the days just drive by slowly? Yes. Yeah. And the last two weeks is going to be even longer. <laughs> and it's unfortunately that some people or some of the guys were at the processing center and didn't make it out because they got bombed and they died. And that's the thing that really bothered me. I got so far, but yet I'm still 
further back, you know. When I got on the plane, I said, well, I'm this close to getting out of here. When the plane got up on the air and I looked down, I said, well, a little bit more. <laughs> I wasn't anticipating that we were going to go down this road and have this conversation, but it's kind of piqued my interest. When you were away, um, entertainment, what was that like over there? And did you guys have the availability to listen to the music that was being played back stateside, you know, that, that, uh, the, that was being played in Spanish? Did y'all have availability to that type of music, or did people form bands over there and then get up and play in a band? Good question. Yes, they did. And I was fortunate enough to be at a headquarters unit, and on the headquarters unit, we had our own little uh, bar, uh, what they call the uh, barracks bar. But then they had a central unit or where they would bring bands in to entertain us. But most of the entertainment came from, uh, like, Thailand, those kind of, but no Tejano music where I was at. Um, but it was, it, it was, we still enjoyed ourselves, but even though we got to hear music. We got to mingle with other other friends, and there were a couple of guys that were from San Marcos that were stationed there while I was there. So we would meet every once in a while at that uh, place, which was uh, it was a bar, I guess you would say, but it was a big one to accommodate because I was a support unit. And they had a lot of support uh, uh, companies there. And uh, for that few couple of hours we were there, we got to enjoy ourselves to listen to music. But then the reality set back again to... Go back to, yeah. Go back to... The daily to, grind of what you're there right. for. And tell me, uh, or tell us again, what branch in the military did you serve in? Army. The Army. And how long were you gone? You said two years? Well, I went to basic, went to two schools. By the time that I finished them, I had been in the United States for seven months. So I got uh, my 30-day leave and then shipped out to Vietnam. So on the way to Vietnam, they passed at what they call a five-month five early out. So I was able to process out of the Army when my tour was completed at that time. So when I came back through Travis Air Force Base, got my papers, gave me my money, and head back home. I want to ask you a question about uh, the pay. Um, we, I think so many of us now, even in today's standard, right, we think that a lot of these musicians make tons and tons of money. And there's, there's those at the top that make it, but then everybody else that's the support for the band. You know, I talk to a lot of the musicians, and a lot of them have, like, their real job that pays, and then they have, like, their music job that also pays. But they can't really afford to live on the salary of what their music job pays. And so a lot of them do it more for because of the love of the music. So 
do, is that still the case where you have to have two jobs to be able to sustain yourself in today's economy? Nowadays, I don't know how the pay is nowadays for them, but I know that uh, I was really surprised in talking to some of the guys that were with Sun and Sunliners with uh, our senior meters and those guys, uh, the pay that they got paid. And uh, well, at that time, it was, <coughs> I guess you would say good money. They got paid $150 a week on that. And in the military, it was a rude awakening for me because $77 basic. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it and I said, and of course, playing, we made $25, $50 a night on that. So for me, it was, I was taking a pay cut. <laughs> and I looked at it and I said, my God. <laughs> and that was a demotion, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then when I hit Vietnam, it was $268 a month. We weren't going anywhere, so I would send half of the paycheck home, and I would keep half of it, you know, that. So that helped me to understand the value of money, because I didn't understand the value of money before that. And it was a rude awakening for me. And... But in a good way, because you learn oh, yes. fairly fast, because there are a lot, of, a lot of people that don't learn those lessons until it's too late. To me, it was, it was very, very rewarding because it, it helped me to understand how the real life is compared to what I was used to. And it helped me on my marriage also because we were able to accomplish a lot before we got married, and that helped a lot also. Did did you, and this can be the last question that I'm going to ask before we continue to play the music, um, did you ever write any of your songs or did you have that um, talent to be able to sit down and write music, pen, a, pen songs? That's a good question. I never gave myself an opportunity to do that. I, I don't know why I never did really look at it from that point of view. Um, but no, I never did. <laughs> I guess let's go ahead and go on in okay. and let's listen to the next two. Vengo a decirle adiós a los muchachos Porque pronto me voy para la guerra I'm sorry, we're having some technical difficulties with the CD player. We're going to come back in just one second. You're listening to Rises here on KCSM.org, True Community Radio, KCSM, LPFM, San Marcos, Texas. And we're going to be right back with you here after we take a quick station ID break.
Hey, reggae lovers, it's your weekly reggae escape. I'm Lady K, your navigator of good vibes and your gateway to the reggae universe. And Big Up Reggae on KZSM 104.1 is your Sunday vibe. Join me every Sunday, 3 to 4 p.m. for a reggae experience like no other. From timeless classics to today's freshest reggae vibes, we've got it all. Se muere 
Yeah, we're back with you here in the studio uh, for Riasis here tonight. On uh, this is the seventh of January, twenty twenty-four, and uh, the views expressed on this show are those of the hosts, the guests, and not necessarily those of KCSM or SMTX CRA or Governing Board. You are listening to KCSM one hundred four point one LPFM, San Marcos, Texas seven eight six six six. And Kathy, back to you. And so the two songs that uh, just finished playing, the number six one was La Despedida, which I really, really did enjoy. And then this last one was called Cosquillitas Polka. And it's amazing how quickly an hour has has gone by. But I want you to tell us a little bit about your CD that you brought with you and tell us how this came about and um, if you're going to market this or... Well, I... I a gentleman from uh, Dallas that uh, does a lot of, uh, uh, has uh, collected uh, records, but going back to the first conjunto that, to now, and his name is Joe Silva, and he was born and raised here in San Marcos, but he got his degree and moved to uh, Dallas but he called me and said, well, we, we keep in touch on that. And uh, so happened that he called me. He said, David, I have eight songs that you recorded. I said, eight songs? He said, yeah. He said, I'm going to send them to you. <clears throat> so he did, and I started listening to him, and I said, wow, doesn't sound too bad. Because, you know? I, like, like I said, I, I only heard two songs before I left, but now that I recollect, we recorded all the songs in two sessions. So that's why I couldn't remember why some of them I didn't, some of them I did not. So when I called this friend of mine that does uh, graphics, and he's the one who did this, uh, this design and uh, and uh, uh, Cover and he has a magazine named Nuestra Musica, and he does uh, a lot of writing on Tejano music. So he, I told him, I said, "Can you clean it up and and uh, make me a couple of CDs for it?" And he did. My initial concept is that I've been wanting to do a nonprofit organization to promote the history, not one, the history on my dad's side is heart disease, cancer, and on my mother's side is diabetes and glaucoma. And I feel that in, put the word out, a lot of times we don't take it seriously enough on certain things. And I've gone through quite a bit of issues in my in the last five or six years on that. So now I understand the concept of what staying in tune with your doctors and staying in tune with your body. Because I had prostate cancer back in 2012, and I was fortunate that we were able to catch it in time or in early stages and. Then I've had some other medical issues also. So I thought through my my CD that I would do a 
nonprofit, and all the proceeds would go to the cancer, diabetes, and whatever the other areas that we could touch, and just promote it and say, hey, look, this is what we need to do as far as taking care of your, your body. Yeah, because you would think in this age and time, for those of us that, that come from Spanish-speaking families, that we know that diabetes is very prevalent. <laughs> um, in, in our culture, we also know that heart disease is very prevalent. And, of course, when you have diabetes, it also uh, leads to the glaucoma that you have um, in your vision. And so we, for whatever reason, still have a hard time. You're listening to KZSM, um, getting that 104.1 FM. Of, a lot of people. Yes, and sometimes we get uh, we ignore it and we don't want to face it on that part, and we say it'll go away. The prevention you know? part of it. Mm -hmm. I um, I attribute to my dad, and my dad, I, I he he was a lovable man, but he 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 had a problem. He had a drinking problem, and I didn't know that he had a drinking problem until my wife told me. All that, and then I started monitoring him, and yes, he did have a drinking problem. So I made it my point that I wasn't going to go down that that road. And when I <clears throat> had the prostate cancer, and I um, started sort of drinking a little bit, you know, when I came back from the, from the service, I was drinking a lot. And I didn't know why, but then in going to counseling later on in life, I understood why I was going through that. And it was, it was a rude awakening, but thank God that nothing happened to me. But, and I didn't get violent or anything of that nature, but I used my music along with my drinking and I didn't realize it, what I was doing. So that was your outlet, your, your music, yeah. So when I, when I saw the, the, the cancer doctor and I asked him about my drink, and he said, well, I'm not going to tell you not to drink, and I'm not going to tell you to drink. But if you don't want any side effects, don't drink. <laughs> so I took yeah. his advice. And I haven't drank choices yet. that you have to make. <laughs> And so where are you on the, um, on the foundation or the nonprofit? Is it something that you're just getting started now? or? Well, I talked to a lady named Bobby Hernandez quite a while back, and she gave me a very good uh, report on how to go about it. I just haven't gotten back with her on that part. I, I've gone through some issues uh, the last couple of years. And I sort of dropped the ball, and now I feel like with this CD um, that I will promote it, but with the resources going to whatever organization that I <laughs> I uh, I pick or that I want to promote in doing this in, on that part. Well, we want to thank you for coming on the show, and I want to invite you back uh, once you get um, yourself set and you decide what you're going to do and how you're going to do it so that you can come back and, and tell us. 
okay. a little bit about about that that next venture in your life that you're going to have. <laughs> and I know you had said at one time that you thought maybe you were going to try to get a little group together. So if you do that, we want you to come back and talk to us about that as well. <laughs> in fact, I talked to the to the Joe the other day, <clears throat> and he asked me the same thing. He said, "Have you played anymore?" I said, "No, but I would like to." So it sort of inspired me because his, his wife passed away about a year or so ago. And um, she had been a diabetic for a long time. And that's why he quit mm. on that. So well, thank you very much for inviting me and having me here and listening to my music. And well, as always, it's always a pleasure to have you here. And I want to talk about next week's show. We have on the show uh, Reverend Fernanda Casar. And she is with El Buen Pastor uh, Church here over on uh, LBJ. And we're going to have her on the show. And we have a lot of really uh, cool and interesting things to talk to her about. And uh, on the last note, um, we're all very sad in San Marcos because Chili Dog Stand has has closed. <laughs> and we want to thank uh, Mr. Tony Garza for all the years that he provided us with those Wonderful, wonderful chili dogs, and um, I have a special place in my heart for the chili dog because Mr. Garza's daughter Caroline and I were were really, really good friends, yes. and so I've I've eaten a lots of chili dogs. They had a, they had a lot of people there. Yeah. <laughs>